Well, we are back. Oh my gosh. Can you believe it, Lori? We survived the entire first season. And today, right here in front of literally tens of listeners, maybe more, we hope so, we are debuting episode one of season two. Lori Legault, what do you think about that? Oh man, I am I'm blown away because it's one of those things where you just decide to do something and have no idea where it's going to take you. And it's so cool when it takes you in this very clear and fun direction that feels like a mixture of an an obligation mixed with a passion all rolled into Mm. one. And it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I appreciate so much all of the listeners out there who enjoy listening to what we have to say and then also where where this is going you know i mean we've only but we've only just begun so good point so So i gotta ask um, you are you you getting fan mail (laughs) (laughs) i really haven't gotten any fan mail yet (laughs) (laughs) okay good i was gonna feel really left out (laughs) uh anyway we're silly all right well i yeah, that, that's such a good point because, you know, when you invited me to to join you on this journey, um, it really was kind of unclear, right? And and we had a general direction, but we didn't really know what it would become. And and I feel like now, with all the changes in the world and and all the uncertainties and and I think the ever more in increasing importance for true human-centered helping professions, coaches matter. And while our work may change and evolve with the changes that we see in the world around us, I don't think it's going to get less important and impactful. I think it's just the opposite. I think that that the things that we bring to the table as, as professional coaches um, are so valuable and important and at le- if not immune to technology, at least resistant to it. Um, and that's, that's what people are going to need is, is guidance and help. And, and so I, I love that that's the direction we're going is, is, um, just keeping it real too. You know, we don't want this to be Pollyanna and rainbows and unicorns all the time because the world is a mixed bag. Life is a mixed bag. And so we want to keep it as real as possible. Absolutely. And I mean, I couldn't agree more with just how important coaches are. I mean, I see this in my work when people that I'm working with, I don't feel like I'm having that big of an impact. You know, I'm doing what I love to do. I'm doing my job. And yet the uh, the feedback that I get is so much gratitude and appreciation for the process of coaching that I realize this is bigger than I sometimes realize. The impact is much larger. And where that brings me a lot of times is to make sure that I'm giving them what they deserve. So I'm not being uh, distracted by other things going on around me. You know, in the virtual world, you can do two things at once sometimes without people knowing. And I realize they deserve the attention that I promised because they are taking it all in. They're really getting something out of this. And I... I want to make sure that I'm holding up my end of the bargain, you know? And so, you know, even just today, I told you that just before we popped on this call together, 
the client I was working with, she said to me, I had a pretty major breakthrough. And I feel like when I get off our call, I'm going to just break into tears. And I said, mm. you know, I didn't see that coming, honestly. And I was like, wow, uh, what we do is so important. Yes. And our topic today is really geared around that because of the importance of human connection. Mm -hmm. We know that humans are wired for human connection. And while our virtual world allows that, um, it also doesn't meet all the needs of, of us. And you and I have discussed a little bit about why it's so important to make and create opportunities for that really strong connection with others. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited to talk about this today because I think coaches can play a big role in this too. Yeah, not only 100%. not only in talking as a coach, but encouraging our clients to seek out more connection in their lives, in their community, with their families, and with their friends. I love that. First of all, congratulations on facilitating that breakthrough with with mm. your client. That that's wonderful because that's that's the that's the juice. That's the stuff that keeps us going as coaches. The feedback that you've helped somebody make a a real change. So. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I didn't realize it, you know, I didn't even realize that was that powerful in the moment. <laughs> Your powers are beyond our comprehension. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and you're right. Um, connection is, is really, I mean, if you look at the the studies and I know we're going to get into that a little bit, it's, it's kind of like the key to longevity. If you want to hack your longevity, it's have a healthy social connection network and and the the things that are against us number one we just came through this pan pandemic and i think we're still dealing with the after effects and there was a, a lack of connection for millions maybe billions of people on the planet and that that's that's debilitating and i think the the ramifications will be with us for a while and also too this virtual reality that we live in while it does meet some of the criteria for connection, it's not all the way there, you know. And and I love that that you take that humble approach as a coach. That hey, I'm doing a service for you, and this connection is valuable. But there's another step that you need to take, you know, and to really coach them through that that venturing out into the real world and either creating or strengthening existing connections because there's there there are biological components to this that don't get transmitted through this two-dimensional reality that we have here online you know there's yeah. there's there's no substitute for being in proximity with someone and sharing an energy field and touching one another and really feeling a person's intention and noticing all the subtle cues that are we're wired like you said for that and so i think that that is that should be a core part of i think any health and wellness coach's mission is to remember that and if that's missing even if that's not what their client is wanting to work on or thinks that that's what they need to work on to somehow artfully and without prescribing, bring that up as a possibility because it it's too important to ignore. 
Yeah, absolutely. So many times when I talk to clients, I hear them say that they are around people, but what I often hear is it's not, it's not the kind of connection that we used to have. Mm -hmm. So if you live in a community where you see the same people pretty much on a regular basis and you develop those connections and you see them at the coffee shop and you see them at the music in the park and you see them at the little local grocery and you, um, get a chance to engage in conversation about their life. And then you get to follow up on their life and things like that. That is, that, that is actually missing a lot in today's world, you know, especially because our younger people tend to be on their phones more and looking at social media more than actually being out in the world, making eye contact and talking to just whoever is there. They tend to often use it as a crutch to not talk and to not engage if they feel self-conscious, it's like a good, you know, a good distractor for them. And so I feel like one of the things that coaches can talk about a little bit is how important that sense of community is. Hmm. So I think about the fact of like anything that somebody might come to you for, it could be weight loss. It could be people who are wanting to rediscover what they are good at or what they want to do for a career if they want to change careers or if they're empty nesters and they're trying to figure themselves out all of that you can create or you can go look for a community around almost anything True. and but you can also be very passive in almost anything so it takes a little bit of extra effort and so i think pointing that out to clients is really important because The research shows that number one for longevity, number one for the people in the world in those blue zones Mm. that live the happiest and the longest have is connection, connection with people who care about them and who they care about is number one. Just right below number one is that you have three people in your life that you could call on for anything. These may not be people that you love spending time with, but that you can count on them for everything. And I think that's interesting information for us to know because then below that, number three, number four, number five, number six for longevity stacks in all those things that we Mm -hmm. already knew. Exercise, blood pressure health, heart health, um, good air quality, all those things. They're right up there. But I think it's really important for coaches and for our clientele to know how important that human connection is and why. I agree. Yeah. And and I we we both have geeked out a lot over blue zone stuff. You know, Dan Butner is is kind of a, a visionary in that regard. A uh, little shameless plug, we're not getting paid for, but there's a, a Netflix series coming that's uh with him on the blue zones that y'all should check out. We're we're excited to see it when it comes out. But I feel like this is you know, everything is connected and and you know my my distractive obsession with ai you you know that and i as i think of the changes that are that are already happening and are coming that are um ai informed you know my belief is that it's more important than ever for us as humans to to focus on what makes us human 
you know, because the machines are going to do a lot of the left brain work and a lot of the mechanical work and a lot of the things that maybe have been traditionally high paying jobs or, or good jobs, they're going to do it better. And so we've got to focus on what matters for us that can't be taken away and and what makes us most uniquely human. And And one of those things is that relational aspect, that ability to connect with others. And I love how you you kind of articulated both the placement of a supportive social connective network in person as being right there at the top, but then immediately under that is that you have three people that you can call on. And I feel like as coaches, boy, there's a prime opportunity to support people because there are a lot of people that maybe face social isolation, either because of their own choices or because of the combination of, you know, technology and maybe their jobs, or maybe they, they just don't know a lot of people where they are. And that, that creates an opportunity for coaches to explore what it might look like to either reconnect old relationships or find, foster, create new relationships, because that's that's part of what we're needing to do as coaches is not do the work for our clients, but to help them learn how to do it so that they have the tools moving forward to maintain that no matter where they are in the world throughout their lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, you're so right. It's so important. And, you know, the statistic that I read with, um, or maybe it was the the YouTube video that I saw that I also sent you, mm. Brian, about um, the secret to living the longest might yes. not might be your social life. Um, she says in there that there's a percentage. It's like in the forty percent that of of people in the United States who are socially isolated, and many of them are seniors. You know, so they're uh, maybe widows or they, you know, they're retired and they don't really have hobbies or passions or interests that lead them outside of their house very often. So they're very isolated. And I think, wow, that's so sad. That's not what we're designed for. And so I think that it can't be underestimated how important it is to seek out and be consistent about those connections there's a man who lives up the street from me who has been a widow for a long time and he gets together with a group of men and they have coffee every morning at 6am at the local coffee shop is a guy group and women can join too. It just tends to be a lot of men. Um, but they all sit at the same table and they have their coffee. They open up the restaurant. So, you know, the coffee shop opens and they're all standing there waiting to get in because, you know, they, they're all early risers and it's really fun because if you if you go in there, you they'll they'll invite you to the table. Everyone's welcome. But it is their ritual? And yeah. this man who lives up the street, he never misses a day. Never ever. And he's one of the happiest guys I know. And I think, you know, he's very consciously created that for himself and mm-hmm. he doesn't miss. And therefore, if he does miss, people are like, is he okay? Yeah. They check on him, you know? And it's very cool and, and everybody's welcome. And other things I've heard of that are really similar to this are men's poker groups. Mm. So 
you know, the thing is, is that women tend to have a lot of social networks compared to men, not always, but I think women very easily create more social networks, whereas men have to be a little bit more conscientious of how to create that for themselves. I mean, it's interesting because even my husband goes on a group men's bike ride every week, but they don't talk about anything but bikes. And so Mm. he said, it's actually just physical and there's not a lot of emotional mm-hmm. connection with the people that he's hanging out with. So he's realized he needs to create other avenues for that more social outlet and specifically with other men, because men and women sort of have different things they want to talk about or True. need to talk about, you know? And so I think that when we talk to our clients and they, if they don't have anyone in their life that they can really open up to, that's an opportunity to say, you know, to ask the questions of what environment would be fun for you? Is there people that you can, can you start something? Can you start a poker club? Can you start a bowling evening? Doesn't have to be competitive or anything like that. In fact, competitive sometimes makes it hard to have good conversations. So I think more recreational things are are better anyways. You know, Um, a local restaurant in town does a a bingo night. And it's not like your typical bingo hall bingo. It's just bingo with like fun music playing. And it's hilarious. And like the big pot is like 30 bucks. It will depends on who gets it's a dollar for a bingo um, thing. So if, you know, if 30 or 50 people come, it's not like it's a high pot, but it's so, so fun that I'm like, I'm going to bingo every Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) It's really fun. Um, So I think that sometimes people uh, have apprehension about creating something or attending something, but I think it's our job as coaches to really advocate for the importance of it, not just for um, fun, but truly it affects your longevity and health. And one more thing I was going to say about when you said Dan Buettner is the first time I was ever exposed to that. Uh, Blue Zones idea was I went to the Telluride Film Festival and he spoke about his book and I was enamored by his first book and Mm -hmm. his studies. I had never heard of it and he was there to talk about it and what he got to do and where he got to go to learn about the Blue Zones and I was just like couldn't believe how cool of a study that is and how important it is, you know? I love that. And fun fact, um, before I took my prior role with the company I used to work for, I tried to figure out a way to go to work for the Blue Zones folks. Uh, they just, oh, wow. there, there wasn't a fit at that time for me with the skill set and experience I had at that time. So yeah, it's funny how full circle here we are now, you know, we're both board certified professional health coaches and we're talking about it in, in a different context. And yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I will say you said a lot of, I think really important things, Lori, um, the differences between men and women in general, obviously there are always exceptions. Um, but how, I mean, and it, it's proven by the data. I mean, look at all the men that die at retirement, you know, and, and the mortality differences between men and women, um, you know, women live several years longer than men. Yeah. I think it's um, seven or eight years longer. Yeah. yeah it's almost a decade. And, and so you, you've got to think 
that's that's a, a a cumulative demonstration of habits across the lifespan. And so your friend consciously making that choice to create and maintain connection is 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 what it should look like. And I love that your husband had the the intuition and insight to notice that hey yeah this is this is cool we're connecting but it's really kind of like competitive athletics as opposed to genuine connection kind of holistic or multifaceted connection and that that he needs he needs you know more than than just mm-hmm. kind of the the jock stuff i mean we you know those of us who are athletic and we both are you know it's like the jock stuff is cool but there's there's almost a limit there you know because your your intention is very different to compete than if you were wanting to connect and Mm -hmm. and i think that's boy that speaks to um you know the imbalances we have as a society towards hyper masculinity and and patriarchal systems and and all that but i think again the data bears it out dudes die quicker and the reason is <laughs> it's because they're they're almost too dudish so it, it's yeah. like finding that balance and and you know the questions that you brought up about how you could potentially help a client think about what it might look like you know if if they were to create an environment that was more conducive for that or even asking them you know can you think of a time when you had a close connection or you were part of a group and then, you know, how, how could you replicate that today? Or, you know, I, I just feel like, again, it's, it's about asking questions rather than accepting limitations. And that's, that's what we're all about as coaches. I mean, we all have our biases and our limitations, but how can we serve our clients in a way that can help them step outside their box and see beyond these, these limitations and understand that, wow, I really do have agency and autonomy to literally change my life and my experience. So I, yeah, this is, this is a really, really big and important topic for sure. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying is so true. I mean, I just remembered an example of a student that I was working with who she's been real isolated with her family. She's living with her parents, but just with her parents and then living in her like childhood bedroom while she studies for a really big medical board exam. And she's been studying for over a year. And so it's like, she's been doing the same thing over and over again. And I talk to her, you know, once a week or once every other week, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. How's studying going? You know, what's been going on, whatever, but I don't see any progress with her. And so a week or two ago, I, I decided I wanted to get to know her a little bit better. And so I asked her, you know, besides medical school, besides academics, what did you do when you were younger? What are some of the things you were involved in? And she starts naming off things. And one of the things she said was, oh, I, I was on a, I think it was a fencing team. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, she does not look like somebody who did that, you know? And I was like, really? That's really interesting. And then tell me more. And so she told me more. And as she told me, oh my gosh, she got so excited. Her face lit up and she was like, oh, the team I was on was so fun. We were a great group. We really got along well. We were like a family. And I was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. You are describing a really big part of your life that you've never talked about, Mm -hmm. that you haven't even revisited in years because you've been in medical school. 
And do you miss that? Yes. Is there a way you can recreate something similar in your life? Maybe. Okay, interesting. And all of a sudden it made her kind of think about how she didn't have anything like that going on, you know? And what it made me think as her coach is how it indirectly affects everything in your life. When you feel like you're a part of something else, when it, you don't even realize it, but you don't even know you're missing it, but you are. And the, I just think about all of the chemicals that go on in your brain when you feel a part of a community, a connection, a you know, you feel like you belong. We all want to belong. Mm. And when you don't feel like you belong, you don't realize that you feel more anxiety in the world. You know, anxiety is like everyone I talk to has, has anxiety now. And I don't mean to sound like an old person when I say that, but I'm like, anxiety is not bad. You know, like if you talk to people like, Oh, I have a lot of anxiety. I have more anxiety. I'm triggered and all these things, which I think is all true and fine. But I do think some of the reasons why is because people have a lack of belonging and connection and, you know, creating that or like allowing people to think about how they want to create that, I think is really, really more important than we realize. And one more thing I'll say about that when you were talking about how my husband reflected on the fact that he, um, you know, that that their, his, his weekly bike ride isn't very deep. The thing is, is that we realized it over time because I ride with women and he mm. rides with men and I know who he's riding with. And I'll say, Oh, how's Randy doing? I don't know. How's <laughs> Brian doing? I don't know. I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know. Didn't you just bike ride with him and then go to eat afterwards together? And he's like, all we did was talk about our bikes on the flip side. Um, <laughs> my girlfriends and I don't talk one bit about our bikes. I know how everything is going in their lives from our bike rides. I could tell you everything going on up to date in their lives. Like we totally have different conversations while on a bike ride. And so I'm like, huh, that's really interesting. It's totally normal for women to just Mm -hmm. open up right off the bat and totally not normal for men, you know? And how do we break that barrier down a bit? That, that's a great insight. You know, whether it's it's um, genetic or whether it's societal or whether it's, you know, societal conditioning or whether it's a combination, you know, the reality is there are some some pretty significant behavioral differences and yeah. the, the outcomes are pretty profound. I mean, you know, I, I'm, yeah. I know I'm going to die one day. I'm not in a hurry. I mean, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to be the architect of my own demise. That's really what it comes down right. to. So, so that makes good sense. And, and, you reminded me, I had a, a session earlier this week with a, a career coaching client and they were, they were stuck. I mean, like stuck and in the dumps stuck. And this is a, this is a, a, a really high achieving person. I mean, this person is accomplished, um, is a, uh, is actually a coach and, um, they're, they're an accomplished athlete, um, and so I was asking, well, well, you know, what's going on, you know, and, you know, what, what's your life outside of this, this work dilemma? Um, what's it look like? Have you been running? Yeah, but not as much with people. No alone. Okay. Um, what about, um, 
other things in your life, you know, well, there's, there's my mom. Um, but you know, there's, there's only so much, and we all know there's only so much of our parents that, that we can handle and, you know, boundaries, there might be, um, benefits to having close relationships with non-parental figures too. Um, and the questions that I was asking was really, I just wanted insight as to what she thought was missing and what we ended up discovering was there was a part of her that was always interested in a particular type of artistic expression, but that was immediately followed up with, but I'm not an artist. So there was a limiting belief there. And then it was like this all or nothing mindset came up. Like I'm going to, I'd suck anyway. So why waste my money? And so all I did was reflect back, you know, and observe like, wow, I mean, what would be the worst that could happen if you actually did go through and, and take this this set of lessons? And it was like, I guess, I guess, not, I mean, like, okay, maybe I'd be stressed out with the commute or it might not be, I might not be great, but what the heck? I'm totally getting in my own way, you know? And it was just this really, really neat experience to watch this person have this, aha moment that they had gotten into their own little isolated space and that because they were limiting their connections outside their their brain was allowed to run amok and that what they really needed their 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 soul was saying i really need this creative outlet i really need to do it in a social way and you won't freaking let me and so it was so fun to watch this this insight progress to a decision and a, a eureka moment and, and them going, oh my gosh, I cannot even believe that I've been doing this to myself. And uh, oh, wow. I mean, and so, you know, I've, I've exchanged emails since then and they're over the moon and it's like nothing. I, I just ask questions. I'm like, okay, tell me about that. And, and it was, it was again, like you said, the power that we have as coaches, just witnessing, holding space for somebody and giving them unconditional positive regard and taking an approach of curiosity, asking questions instead of providing answers. Um, it's amazing what can happen. And I feel like this person now is on a trajectory where as they create a new, a new network and, and get back into, you know, interacting with other people, I can't imagine how that's going to impact everything else. And this all started yeah. from, from a place of I'm stuck with this work thing. You know, and instead of focusing on that, we just kind of said, well, let's see what it looks like. And so I think as coaches, we have to be we have to be um, aware of the as much of the person that's in front of us as possible and not get myopic on just the problem that they're presenting. You know, they're giving us hey, this is my challenge or this is my goal. That's important for sure. But what else is going on? And that's where we use our spidey senses and, and really try to, to tune in and get curious. Yeah. That's oh, it. yeah. There's so many things you just said where I was like, yes, awesome, amazing. Like, that is what being a coach is. You know, that is it. That is the secret that, you know, when people are like, what do you do as a coach? I'm like, hmm, how do I explain this? Because it's so... <laughs> 
difficult to really explain how you're looking at the person as a whole human being and Mm -hmm. not just what's presented in front of you that they describe, which is kind of just the opposite of what like a physician does. And I've, I've talked to physicians Mm -hmm. about this in the up up and coming physicians that I work with, because I'm like, you don't have time to do what coaches do, which is why it's a beautiful combination of having a coach in a medical environment. Um, No one person can be completely uh, looked at as like, you have diabetes, you have high blood pressure, you have whatever it is. It's like, that is such a small piece of that person. And there's so much to unravel and put back together into this like um, newly formed diagnosis alongside the rest of, you know, their life. And so, but that's, I mean with with what you did is so cool because that's not something that's not something she could have seen on her own. She didn't realize that that was missing. She didn't realize that she could create it and how easy it would actually be, you yeah. know? It's like you're taking this thing that she's missing that she didn't even know she was missing and giving her this gift of what's the worst thing that could happen and And then also allowing her to see not only when you tap into what you love and what your passion is, not only do you get to do that thing, but you create a community around yourself of others who also like to do that. And people don't really realize that when they're looking at like, oh, I, I like to do, you know, whatever it is. I like to be a sculptor or I like to be a, I don't know why. I mean, I used to make jewelry Mm -hmm. and I did I I had two other little jewelry office mates that we all were doing our own thing, but man, did we have fun doing it together. And it was so much more fun when all of us were in there making jewelry together than when I was there just by myself, but we weren't really, you know, helping each other because we all had our own jewelry station. So it wasn't like we, you know, we would ask each other questions once in a while if we got stuck or some suggestions or ideas, but otherwise we were just completely doing our own thing. But the community around that was Mm. just amazing. And so we have the ability of, as coaches to help people see what they don't see. And Mm -hmm. we don't even know what we're going to find, which is so fun for us too. It's like, we get to live vicariously in that moment and go, yay. (laughs) It's true. I mean, (laughs) I just helped you discover, not that you would say this, but like you would feel it in your heart. Like I just helped you discover something that you didn't know that I didn't know. And now you get to go out and try it out and see what happens, you know, and what, what benefits come from that. So we really have have a lot of, um, amazing, I don't know what, I don't know if power is the right word, but just a lot of skills mm-hmm. that, you know, the methodology works. It really does, it does. It when does. you stick it, with it. People really think that a coach is giving advice over and no, over again. I no, hear people no, say, no. oh, that must be really fun that you get, you get to give people advice all day. And I'm like, I don't do we that. do not no. give advice. That is number one rule. Do not yeah. give advice and do not have a preconceived notion about what you think this person needs. No, it's a great point, Lori. And and really it, what was so cool about the experience was as, as we, you know, we pulled on that thread together. And then when I asked the question, what's the worst that could happen? The look on that person's face, it was like a dawning, right? And then I followed it up with, what's the best that could happen? And it was like the Grand Canyon of discrepancy opened up in front of this person and they realized, oh my gosh, I've been doing this to myself. I, I, it's like all or nothing thinking. And I'm, you know, I'm catastrophizing something that is literally such not a big deal. And, and 
I think the most important thing for me, given the topic we brought about today, is that they recognized how they had created and reinforced their own isolation, you know, and that that something seemingly disconnected was impacting every area of their life, including their job search. You know, it's like, of course, your attitude sucks because you're miserable. Yeah, why, you're not why, happy. You can't yeah. be open-minded and see everything around you when you're not happy. Right. So so it's like, let's not beat ourselves up. Let's just say, well, what, what are the things that are happening here that maybe are contributing to that? And what are some things that would be the opposite of misery, you know, and then start exploring? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was fun. Yeah. I'm, I thank you for, for this topic today, because it's interesting that both of us have had experiences this week with clients that directly relate to it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I, th- I think that what we could leave our listeners with our coaches, especially is how can you help your clients who have social isolation, mm-hmm. consider some options to branch out and be vulnerable and create or join something that adds value to their life and and meaning and purpose outside of like a job or a obligation. Like what could be something that could be different and fun that maybe they're not seeing or doing. And one other little piece of that I think is that the the world has become so competitive that I think that's one reason why people are afraid to try things is because they think I'm not going to be good at it. Mm. You know, with social media showing everybody Mm. being so talented, it's like, yeah, that's, that's their best day, you know, but I love showing people when I screw up on like some kind of a, what's it called? Um, I love seeing it when people like try to recreate some kind of fancy cake and it's like, here's my version of that fancy (laughs) cake. And it's like the worst looking thing ever, but it was fun and funny and still tastes the same. So who cares? But like, you know, you do not have to be competitive in the things that you're doing. You do not have to be good at everything. It's just having fun with people who like doing something that you like doing. And you don't have to worry about the outcome all the time. That's a, that's a great point to, to wrap up with, because I do agree that the, the real value that comes from so much of what we experience in life is through the process itself. It's the experience. It's not the outcome but we've been brainwashed by some of the systems that we have, you know, most, I guess, biggest would be economic and, and also sports and stuff that, you know, all that matters is winning. You got to, you know, push, 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 do, 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 and, and strive and achieve. And man, there's a place for that, but at what cost? And I think that, that reminding people that the, the process, the experience, the journey is what matters and to, to learn to, sink into that and and really experience it for what it is with a community of like-minded people yeah, that's where the magic happens you know and who cares yeah. if you ever come up with something artistic that you could sell or who cares if it doesn't none of it matters you know what what matters is that we just participate and engage yeah. you know and and so i love i love all of it 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's important. You know, it's yeah. important and it's important to evolve and to try new things. Um, I just got into pickleball and uh, I, I mean, I'm having a hard time trying to find people to play with me because everyone's like, oh, I'm not very good. I'm like, I'm not very good. I just started, you know. Yeah, let's but, not be good together. Yeah, it's just, I'm just looking for fun things to do, active things to do. I mean, all of that. So being, you know, open minded and trying new things makes life exciting. And so that is, you know, there's many ways I think we talked about today in which coaches can help and gently provoke their, um, their clients towards better connection and, uh, therefore longevity and not just longevity, but happiness in longevity too. So great point. All right. Well, season two, episode one is underway. And we're excited to bring up some more fun topics coming soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. As always, it's wonderful talking with you, Lori. You always bring so much wisdom and humor. And I am super excited about this new season. Ditto on all of that, too, for you, Brian. And those of you out there coaching, keep on keep on doing awesome work. Absolutely. So. Y'all take care, and we will see you soon. All right. All right.